Blog Talk Radio. Take a lickin'. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Today is Wednesday, June 18th, and I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in this afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. This is a live radio show that is broadcast around the world. This radio show is all about keeping backyard poultry, show poultry, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the absolutely free edition to the digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tractor Supply, and we'll return right after this short commercial break. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled 
B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, and the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We've had a great show lined up for you today. It's a special Wednesday episode uh, with Poultry Today with Dr. McRae. We've got uh, Dr. McRae, Bridget McRae, um, poultry scientist and uh, poultry professor uh, here joining us today. And we've got a great topic. We're talking all about rodent control in and around the coop. Rodent control in and around the coop. And so let's give her a big Chicken Whisperer welcome. And we'll bring her live right now. Hey, Doc, how you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And uh, out and about today, uh, getting some things taken care of. And uh, But uh, nonetheless, the show must go on. And i uh, got to get the education out there to all of our followers and listeners. So it uh, couldn't be a more uh, timely topic. We've been, uh, I've seen a lot of things recently about uh, rodents. Oh, my gosh, you know, I've got, I've got, I saw a mouse, and that means there's more of them. What do I do? Or I saw a rat, or yeah. I see some droppings in my feed and things like that. Uh, we had another very timely topic on Monday uh, with um, – uh, with Peter Brown, and uh, give me just a second, and I'll think about what that topic was. Uh, oh, fly control. So uh, this yep. kind of goes right along with that, keeping our chickens healthy and happy and pleasing the neighbors and pleasing ourselves and our own family and trying to limit disease. So it is a great topic that you've uh, decided to discuss with us today, rodent control in and around the coop. And some of the things that you've shared in the past, we have covered this in the past. Uh, of course, we've been doing this for six years, 1,000 episodes, coming up on 1,000 episodes. So 
Um, wow. But uh, some of the uh, information you have, the studies, is just staggering, like the number of times a, a, a mouse poops in, in, in an hour or something, all these things that you <laughs> sometimes bring to the table. It, it's, it's amazing how much they reproduce, and, and, and but even the diseases that they carry and how, you know, even we, we just went through a kind of a salmonella outbreak uh, nationwide, but how, um, you know, if you see mice and, and, and rodent droppings, especially in feed, and that can contribute to uh, having uh, salmonella in, in your chickens when they eat the pea or eat the chicken food that's been contaminated with the poop or the pee from the, from the mice or the rats. So it's your concern, um, all chicken owners, but there's a, there's a way to stay ahead of the game and, and try to uh, eliminate that best we can. And uh, you're here to tell us how we can do all of that. Right. You got it. Um, I do have an event coming up that I wanted to share with your listeners first before I get started talking about Please road go ahead. control. Do you mind? No problem at all. Please go ahead. Well, I've got a pastured poultry conference coming up on August the 2nd here at Delaware State University. It's a one-day conference, and basically it starts at 9 a.m., ends at about 4 p.m., and we only have 40 seats available. Okay. So I wanted awesome. to let your listeners know, first and foremost, if you're in the area, if you're getting started, or if you've been doing this and you're just ready to learn some more, Come join us. It's a free event. So we've got getting started with pasture poultry for those who are interested in in learning what it takes to get started. Then we're going to go into some topics like pasture management, chickens for insect control, nutrition of poultry on pasture. Uh, We're going to talk about the realities of raising poultry on pasture and the economics and marketing of pastured poultry. Of course... We're going to talk a little bit about biosecurity, and we're going to talk about pastured egg production. Uh, But we're also going to talk briefly about some of the Northeast SARE grants, um, farmer grants or partnership grants that are accessible to farmers. And so if you, too, want to write a grant, you're going to get an idea of what all is involved. In fact, there's only seven questions. And we're also going to talk briefly about um, the grass that your chickens have access to in your backyards. Um, what kind of bacteria are there where the chickens are located and where the chickens aren't located? What bacteria is already on, in your lawn grass? So awesome. we're going to have a lot of different things to talk about, and I hope that your listeners will come join us, find the day interesting. We provide lunch, and um, like I said, the second. Put it on your calendars. Okay, and also very sad to report that this weekend is the very last ever, which is very sad. I was hoping to get up there and see that gigantuan frying pan that's something Mm -hmm. like 8 or 10 feet in diameter that cooks like 200 chickens at a time or something, but uh, it's just not going to happen. But um, this weekend is the last weekend at the Delmarva, Delmarva Chicken Festival. Yeah, Delmarva Chicken Festival in Centerville, Maryland, which is about an hour from me over here in Dover. I'll be there both days, so come see me. Um, I'll be in the education area where the little baby chicks are hatching out. So if you're listening and you want to come on down, find yourself a, a nice plate of food and enjoy the weekend with us. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I wish I could make it. I really do. It's just not in the cards. And, gosh, I want to know what's going to happen with that frying pan. That's what I want to know. I'll ask. <laughs> Somebody surely I'll see yeah, what they're going to do it with it. <laughs> Somebody's got to just maintain that or use it at another festival or put it on tour and have these things all over the country. And 
Oh, man, that's just <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, um, very good information. Listeners, take advantage of that. The festival this weekend, I'm sure, I wish I could be there. It's going to be awesome. And then uh, the class on pastured poultry is going to be very interesting. I know that interests, yeah, interests a, a lot conference. of people out there. One-day conference for people to participate in, and it's free yeah. of charge. Got to love it. Free is good. <laughs> free is so good. Let's Just talk like about the archive of this podcast. Andy. If you tune in any time during the podcast and miss something, the archive will be uh, available shortly after we uh, end the show and uh, completely free on iTunes.com. So very cool. So rodent control, yuck, yuck, yuck. Yes. <laughs> well, I know that many of your listeners have seen a mouse or unfortunately sometimes a rat in and around your coop area and mm-hmm. that means that you've got your work cut out for you <laughs> uh it's not always a pretty situation especially if you are afraid of some of these critters and not everybody likes dealing with um with rodents or their feces mm-hmm. uh, but most often people in chicken coops if they're going to see anything the first thing they'll see is a house mouse or maybe a field mouse yeah, and there's, there's they may tiny... actually, actually in some cases, I guess they may just see the 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 uh, remnants. Uh, oh, there's some right. little little, uh, little mouse skirts or yeah, little poopy or or yeah. And uh, tell me, this is not true, but sometimes if you don't notice the the the, the mouse droppings, I, I've been to places and even some feed stores where I walk in the back room and I can smell the mouse yeah. feet. And yeah. uh, so, so, so maybe for somebody, hopefully it doesn't get the far, as far as where they smell pee, but they may see some droppings in and around the coop or their their feed area. And that's what we're going to talk about. Is you know there should no be there should not be any um, little black specks about the size of a grain <laughs> of rice in your chicken feed. <laughs> yes, exactly. They weren't sent you that way in the feed mill. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they weren't bagged yep. up with that. Um, it's not a grain. Signs, yeah, that's not grain. <laughs> don't eat it. <laughs> um, don't um, don't forget to look around your your um, where you store your feed. It may not mm-hmm. just be the feeder where you're feeding the chickens at. Where you're storing your feed, they, you might see a little corner nibbled out, mm-hmm. or you might see um, feed scattered one day, but it's gone the next. Oh, that's a big hint right there. <laughs> um, so it it's a matter of okay, what number one, clean up all feed spills, no matter how small they are, immediately. Number one, clean up all your feed spills immediately. No matter like how small you think it is. See, I'd like to add uh, to that because it's something I see this all the time. And, and you just don't think about it because you see a little house on the prairie, the little girl's walking around with a little metal bucket with some with some scratch, and she's throwing it out on the ground for all the chickens to come and get it. And, and uh, I still see people that when I visit their homes and their coops, I'll see them. They'll just take some, some uh, their treats, uh, grains, uh, a scratch, and just throw it out on the ground. I mean, just whoosh. And I'm just like, oh my gosh! It's like you know, you're inviting. I feel all these uh, these critters to come and and uh, take. You know, hey, come on, because you, you know they're not going to get every single morsel up. So, uh, would you right. agree that that's probably try to refrain that from is, doing that? That as is well? a problem, and you do actually have to pay attention if you are going to throw scratch grains down for your birds. Make sure you can see that they've picked them all up. If they're leaving anything behind, you're putting too much out. 
It's whatever they can clean up in about 15, 20 minutes. Okay, gotcha. And if they're leaving it behind, you're giving them too much, and guess what? You're feeding other things, whether mm-hmm. it's rodents or wild birds or, you know, whatever predator wanders on by and snarfles up whatever you left behind. <laughs> so you've got you've got several things that you have to consider. Uh, the type of uh, rodent that you have and the evidence that they left behind. So if you're seeing dark droppings about the size of a, a piece of white grain, uh, white rice, not the long grain rice, but um, short grain rice, uh, that's, that's a big wake-up call. You will often see these either in the feed or along where the feed is being stored, so in your feed storage room, or along the walls on the way to and from wherever they're sneaking in or out. See, rodents don't have anal sphincters, so they can't hold it in. When they run, that's how they poop. So they're going to poop along wherever they're traveling, unfortunately. And, you know, rodents don't like to be out in the open. They like to travel along the edges of buildings. Um, So your feed room, you know, you might have a feed bag perched up against the wall. Mm -hmm. If you pull that away from the wall and take a look back there and you see droppings, you're going to roll your eyes, you're going to sigh, and then you're going to get to work. And you're going to go, very first thing, you're going to go to wherever sells garbage cans, metal garbage cans with a lid, and you're going to buy one. That doesn't mean you have to dump your feed in there. You can set the entire feed bag, or even depending on the size that you get, one or two feed bags. Yeah. And you can store your open bag of grain in there along with your your reserve bag of grain. Because you always want to have a reserve bag of grain in case you can't get to the store, there's a storm that's coming, or you're going to go on vacation and your house sitter, they're not going to go buy feed for you. You're going to have to provide it. And I can so, tell you firsthand from years of experience that if you put that in a Rubbermaid bin you bought at Walmart, they'll chew right through it in absolutely oh yeah. no time. No time flat. Isn't that a mm-hmm. dandy skill they have? Uh, dandy man, skill. Those, those big old teeth. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can get through that in, gosh, yeah, no time at 15 all. minutes max. They're, they're through. Amazing. And they're, they will actually carve out a, a chew out a hole completely, almost a symmetrical circle perfectly for their body to fit right through. Right. <laughs> so, and depending on the size of your rodent, you're going to have a larger or a smaller hole. So even a hole that's about a quarter inch in diameter is, or slightly larger than a quarter inch is all it takes to get a really young mouse in and out. Anything um, really over get something a little larger for a, for a rat. I'm anything sorry, Anything over um, hardware cloth size, basically, you're saying. Basically, anything over hardware yeah. cloth, they could get right through that. Chicken yeah. wire, not a problem for a mouse, mm-hmm. right, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. Or that welded wire we like to use, the two-inch by four-inch openings for, mm-hmm. for mainly the run and things like that. But, yeah, for the That's easy protection. for a rat to get in and out of. Yeah. That's easy for a snake to get in and out of. That's an easy for a weasel, a weasel to get in and out of. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you can't get hardware cloth, there is something out there called pigeon wire. But still, mice can get through pigeon wire. Rats can't, but mice can. Okay. Uh, but 
consider those changes. Um, you've often got a mouse or you might have a roof rat or what we normally recognize as the traditional rat shape is a it's called a Norway rat. Yes. Um, they're, you know, t- typically the brown with the long naked tail, um, that brown coloration, that kind of humped up back that they have. The roof rat is is a uh, little bit um, slenderer, a little darker in color at times. Both of them have four front toes and five back toes. So that's something to consider. I'm not now, looking that close, but I'll McCrane, take your word for it. <laughs> Why would I be talking about the number of toes on on rat feet? <laughs> well, if you're not sure if you're having a visitor come in and out, and sometimes this is this is just something that you can do with your your kids in the summer is a little experiment. Take a, a flour sifter and lightly dust the area of the floor around where you're you're storing your feed. Or wherever you think your problem is coming in and out of. Well, once you put the flower down, they're going to have to walk through it, and then you can see how big your problem is, depending on the size of the feet and the number of toes that you see. Um, you might be able to identify what your critter is because they I have to walk through. Tell me if this will work. Um, if we're putting flower down, which may be uh, an attractant to insects. They might want to come eat it. The mice may want to eat it because I guess it's it's weed or, or cornmeal based or whatever, uh, flour based. Um, could we not? I'm just brainstorming here. Could you not put down kill two birds with one stone? No pun intended. Uh, it w- would it have the same effect if I sprinkled out um, diatomaceous earth? Because because that's a powder, and I guess you could still see the tracks in it. And then we're not putting down something that's food based. We're and then it could help with. And, and sex, things well, like so that? Or it's is a that, little less um, expensive to use flour, and it's something that everybody has at home just for identification. Okay, okay. So if you put yeah. flour down, you're going to look the next day, and then you're going to sweep it up. And if you want to check again a week later, you put the flour down, you check the next day, and then you sweep it up. And it's just a regular old flour sister, and you're not putting down two or three inches of flour here, Andy. You're You're mm-hmm. putting down a dusting. Okay. Enough for you to see footprints in. Okay. So you've got rats, you've got mice. Mice are only a couple inches long. Rats, uh, well, seven to ten inches long. You know, they're a little bit bigger. So if you're not sure what you're seeing, um, you know, a, a ten inch body and a ten inch tail, that's your Norway rat. If you've got, uh, about, uh, seven to ten inches long with a tail that's longer than the body and it's dark in color, that's probably your roof rat. Uh, So get to know how they like to live. They have territories. They like to set up territories because then they don't have to um, leave and go into an uncomfortable area. So if they're setting up residence, you need to move fast so that they don't set up residence. Um, you want you want basically to disrupt their food, their water source, uh, and discourage them from setting up a home. 
um, or harborage. So if they're if you've got a junk pile, get rid of it. Get rid of that junk pile. Um, if you've got a terrier or some dog that likes to hunt rats, make sure they're with you that day and, and that they, they take advantage of uh, whatever you're disrupting and, and maybe they'll off a couple of rats for you or mice for you. But um, mice don't like to travel outside of their territories. Uh, they're very uncomfortable moving beyond their territories. Uh, their territories will, you know, they're about five feet from their hole, their um, their their nest, I'll say. Uh, they don't see all that well, but their hearing is terrific and, and their smell is also terrific. So oftentimes you don't see them because they've already run away because they heard you walking towards the coop. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go out there and just sit. I mean, it's hot in summertime and... And, well, if you're going to do that, bring water with you. <laughs> it's going to be a long wait because they can hear you just fine. Um, but you're going to want to you're going to want to really disrupt their territory. Uh, if you shove um, like a cinder block in front of their hole, they might try to gnaw through another another spot. Um, you might try to put out baits, but we'll go through that a little bit later on to perhaps um, kill them or run water down their hole uh, as long as it doesn't end up flooding your coop somehow wherever your coop is located. <laughs> Just pay attention to these things. Um, yeah, I have visions of uh, the, that old movie Caddyshack where uh, Bill Murray's trying to chase down the, <laughs> chase down the groundhog. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, just, just keep in mind that you, you've you're going to have a challenge ahead of you. They found they found food, so you kind of want to encourage them to move on. Um, things that you should know about rats. Um, they can fall 50 feet, and they're, they're good to go. So that means they can fall five stories, and they're, they'll just kind of walk it off and keep going. Awesome. Um, rats are really good swimmers. They can tread water for up to three days. And, Great day. uh yeah, they can swim half a mile in open water against currents. Um, most rodents, they have their, their front teeth that grow and grow and grow. And so if your teeth grow and grow and grow and grow, you're going to have to gnaw on things in order to wear them down. So for rodents, for rats, their teeth grow five inches in a year. They can gnaw through lead sheathing, glass, cinder block, concrete that's not cured properly. And so, you know, I encourage people to check weekly for signs of rodent control. On the day that you do your cleaning, um, check around, look for entry points that rodents have gone in and and fix them up. Put... uh, Patch it up, fix it up, find out what they're going after, try to move it, change it, shake things up, find their hole, um, bury them in there, run water down there, or you can put out um, baits. Um, The last thing I'll tell you about rats, and this is the one that just about everybody seems to dislike the most, is they can jump three feet vertically, which is 
for some people, waist height, and that really kind of creeps a lot of people out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everyday adult rats eat about an ounce of food and an ounce and a half of water. They stay within a 100-foot radius. Um, But they're good to go without food for, oh, about three days. Water, only a day or two. So if you can put up your water at night or set up your water so that it's a a nipple drinker system that's hanging, that would help discourage rodents from gaining access. Um, You said they only eat an ounce of food a day? Mm Mm-hmm. God, that just doesn't, that that dispels, I guess, what I've I've thought about them, because I I think of this as just an, pulling up a chair and eating, you know, all day and having this big fat cheeks and big fat belly and, <laughs> and you know, waddling off because they're just engorged themselves with all this stuff. And, and But just, just a, an ounce of feed in a day just doesn't seem like a whole lot of food. No, wow. but they do breed. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yes, they do, which means your your two-rat problem can become a 20-rat problem in a hurry. And that's over a pound of feed a day. Mm -hmm. so yeah who do you want to feed not the rodents (laughs) now um mice they like to usually stay their max they maxed out at about 20 foot radius um rodents are well rats and mice are a little bit different from each other rats if they see some new object in their territory they're afraid of it mice no problem. They got this. They're going to go check it out. Um, mice can only see about see six inches uh, in front of them, clearly. But further away from them, they, they can detect movement, but they can't really see what it is very well. So, you know, you might see a mouse if you rearrange your your feed room. You might see a mouse sooner than you would see a rat again. So shaking things up can help you. Okay. Rats, well, rats can reproduce when they're three or four months old. And they'll keep reproducing until they're about 18 months old. So if you're a rat, you're about, oh, let's say four months old. Um, Their gestation period is about anywhere from 21 to 25 days or just under a month, three weeks or so. Uh, another three weeks later, they wean their young, and then the rats can breed again one day later. So in about six months' time, you can have mama and daddy rat, and then maybe nine of their young. Um, an average of nine rats per litter is what you get, and they usually have about six litters a year. Uh, so... If you have a young female rat join you in your coop, if if the conditions are absolutely perfect, she can reproduce for you 60 to 70 young in the course of a year. There's a thought for you, right? Um, of course, their breeding season is highest in the spring and the fall. Um, so use wintertime to your advantage. Um, this time of year as well, it's a little hard on them but there's a lot more food available to them this time of year than, say, wintertime. Um, if you can really disrupt their life during the wintertime, uh, then they, they're they going to very quickly try to 
find another place where they're much more comfortable. Their lifespan is about 5 to 12 Oh, I'm sorry. Mouse lifespans are about 5 to 12 months. Uh, their gestation is about the same as that of a rat, although they have usually fewer um, young, about six young per um, litter. And in the lifespan of a female mouse, they're going to give you about six to ten litters. Not bad. Mm-hmm. So, again, you can have... Uh, you can have a very large rodent problem in no time flat. So it's good for you to pay attention, look around your coop, see where the problems lie, invest in rodent-proof feed containers, repair holes that are half inch or quarter inch in size, and pay attention this time of year to where you mow. If you can mow around the coop, or mow around um, where your pasture is, wherever you, if you have pastured poultry, uh, you're going to want to remove any weeds, like with a weed whacker, right around the edge of the coop. Mm. Like I said, rodents like to stick to the edge of buildings, and they like to hide. So if you've got weeds that are growing up, that's great cover for them. So the reason why we mow our lawns, one of the main reasons why we mow our lawns, is so that rodents don't have easy harborage to run to and from our homes. And that's a lot of times people forget that detail. Rodents don't want to be seen by a cat or a hawk. They're going to stick to where they can stand or cover. If you can... One of the the best investments you can make around your stationary coop is to put down a three-foot strip of gravel around your building. That removes the whole um, weed harborage along the edge of buildings. And uh, if you are willing to, you can spray Roundup around there and keep weeds down. But you can throw gravel down, and that really does help. because it would expose the rodents, and they're going to choose to go somewhere else rather than force themselves to take a trip out into the open where they might be seen and picked off. Or if you choose not to support Monsanto and use Roundup, there's plenty of maybe all natural. <laughs> so you've all fire yes, folks out there you, that when they you heard you say Roundup, they just kind of, all the they weeds. just kind of. <laughs> if you can hire your children to pull all the weeds, great. Um, but that's not necessarily going to work for everybody. Exactly. <laughs> and use the season to your advantage. If you can't do it now, wait until the winter. Dig up what you had out there. Put the, the gravel down in the winter time, and then just do what you can when you can. But on a weekly basis, you really do need to look for holes and repair them. Now, if if you're going to use certain materials for rodent proofing, if you're going to use concrete, you need a minimum thickness of two inches if it's reinforced. If it's not reinforced, you need three and three quarters inches. If you're going to use galvanized sheet metal for any like door flashing so that they can't chew underneath your door, you need 24 gauge or heavier. Um, if you're going to use the perforated um, or, yeah, the perforated sheet metal grills, those should be about 14 gauge. Brick, 
You can use three and three quarter inch thick with joints filled with mortar. A hardware cloth, like we talked about, you want 19 gauge or 24 gauge. The 19 gauge is the half inch by half inch mesh. That excludes rats, but not mice. And the 24 gauge is the quarter inch by quarter inch mesh. And that excludes both rats and mice. So that little tidbit of information should help you as you go to the, the hardware store and look for materials. Um, for, for, consider, for your consideration, you want to think about all the things that mice, mites, and rats carry. Um, salmonellosis, one of the things we've talked about plenty of times in the last month or so. Um, foulpox. Uh, it's a virus that rats can move around for you. Thanks, rats. Foul cholera, another virus that rats and mice can carry around for you. Um, not only can they carry them around on their fur, their whiskers, and their feet, on some of these, they can actually exist in the animal's gut, and when the chicken eats their feces, it's transmitted. So... Um, other things, bordadellosis, leptospirosis, erysipelas, these are all things that, right, that um, mice and, and mostly rats can carry, bacteria that is, that they can carry and transmit around your farm. So sometimes it's not just your poultry that you're putting at risk by harboring these organisms. It might be your dog. It might be your horse or your cow or whatever else you have on your farm. So keep these things in mind, too. There's a reason why we try to control rodent populations. Of course, salmonella we've talked about. Um, as far as diseases, there's over 35 diseases that can be spread to humans from rodents. Keep that in mind. There's another ick factor for you. Um, another thing to consider is rabies. If you have children in the coop, um, well, you might have a sick mouse. It's not really a good idea for a child to pick up a mouse that's not doing well. Um, number one, you don't want that mouse there in the first place. Number two, if that mouse should be sick with something that can infect your child, like rabies, that should be of concern to you as well. Even if it is a house mouse or a field mouse or something that looks cute. Uh, things like tularemia, leptospirosis, amoebic dysentery, uh, typhus, that's usually spread by the fleas on the, on the rodents. Um, jaundice, trichinosis, which is an organism that I think is really cool, but it also scares the bejesus out of me. Trichinosis, um, can kind of it's a it's a worm that you ingest and then it enters your gut and enters your bloodstream and then it finds a muscle and it makes a cyst in there and it's very very painful. Um, people who eat uh, certain wild meats that are undercooked can get sick can get sick from that. Um, and then rickettsial pox is another one that people can get. Um, so there's lots of diseases out there that can make you sick, and it's just a good reason to take the time to get rid of rodents. Um, don't forget, when you're cleaning up, um, rats or, or mice, they might have had mites or lice, fleas or ticks on them that could bite you. 
So you want to treat them with the appropriate amount of respect because you don't want whatever that flea or tick could be carrying around. Um, So if you're not sure if a burrow is being used by a rodent, or, you know, shove a, a, a loose, loosely wadded piece of newspaper in there or other paper. Um, and if it's pushed out the next day, yeah, it's an active burrow. Um, if you've got trails through grass and weeds that you can see, it's time to get the weed whacker out. Um, if you're not sure of any of these things, go out there at night with a flashlight and if you see eyeballs, looking back at you from the floor, there's your hint. It's time to change things. Sometimes you'll even hear them scratching around if you're really quiet out there. Um, Maybe you're watching your birds, you might hear some scratching that's not associated with your birds. That could be a rodent moving around or or perhaps gnawing on something to get its teeth to wear down. So we've talked about feed room control, Build feed. Um, if you've got standing water, not only is it a risk for mosquitoes, but it's a water source for rodents and wild birds. So get rid of it. Um, other places for them to live, like junk piles, old tire piles, get rid of them. Get rid of old equipment where they could be living. Um, and for those who have had mice in their house, or even rats in your house, um, they leave droppings behind. A mouse in a single night can leave you a gift of anywhere from 40 to 100 droppings. Yay. Not my idea of fun for cleanup. Rodents, uh, I'm sorry, rats are 20 to 50 droppings in a single night. And their their droppings are larger. They're about half, uh, well, a quarter inch or so to about half inch or so in size. And uh, for a mouse dropping... If that mouse is infected with salmonella, you could have up to a million salmonella bacteria in each mouse dropping. So, wear gloves when you're cleaning up if you see mouse droppings in your coop. Sweep them out. Get rid of them. And both mice and rats can eliminate 80% of their daily feces in urine in your feeder as they're feeding. So another reason to kind of pull your feeder up at night and um, or put a lid on it so that these rodents can't gain access. And there are feeders out there where the weight of the chicken is enough to open it, but not the weight of, like, say, a mouse or sometimes a rat. Those, mm-hmm. are, those are things for you to consider. How much is a bag of feed around you, Andy? Fifteen bucks. Do you know that one rat every year eats 25 pounds of feed? And if you have 200 rats, that means two and a half tons of feed a year. Yeah. You got that kind of money to feed the the rodent population? (laughs) You got $2.18 per rat, just about, uh, if your feed costs $1.75 a ton. Um. That doesn't include the costs involved with um, fixing holes, whatever they tear up, because they're just going to continue to enlarge holes and let ever larger 
rodents in. Um, you know, your housing repair costs might be just 25 bucks a year, but that adds to it. Rats are known to kill chicks and eat eggs, and that's lost Mice income. When they're on the roof, biting their toes off. Yeah. Yes. So if you if you think about it, it, the cost it takes to get rid of a ha- get a house rid of a single rat is only about twenty five cents. Um, you can put down traps, snap traps, or live traps, um, glue traps. Uh, you can also use rodenticides or what's called mouse bait or rat bait. Some people think that their barn cat. Um, is the best way to do things, but we've talked about this, Andy. Then you've got another organism that can carry disease both on its paws, its fur, its whiskers, and also inside its body. And if it comes over and licks you, well, then it might be transmitting something to you. And it can transmit organisms from pen to pen to pen as it walks through. So not a good idea to allow cats to have entry or access to your birds. Yes, I fully recognize that cats were originally brought to this country to perform the role of rodent control, but we have alternatives out there that are not transmit organisms from pen to pen to pen. If you have snap traps, um, put it in corners, put it next to walls, put it behind objects. If you can tell where rats and mice are running. Sometimes they rub up against the walls and so they'll kind of leave a a dark mark where they've been rubbing. Um, And that's where you want to put it. You want to put it right in their path. Uh, Bacon, hot dog, peanut butter, put that on the trigger. Um, But keep in mind, you may be anxious to get rid of this rodent, but you're going to have to to train them, especially rats. Like I said, you put something new in their environment and they're going to be like, ooh, scary, and run away. So you kind of want to train them to come to your trap and eat the bait but not have the trap go off. So with rats, you're going to have to train them with baited but unset traps or else if you don't get them the first time, they're going to be trap shy. And then what are you going to do? You need to use plenty of traps. You need to have five or six traps out, not one, not two. You need a short and decisive killing spree with traps. Okay? If you're going to put traps down, for mice you want them six or eight feet apart. For rats you want them 10 to 15 feet apart. So, and and I do fully realize that rat traps are more expensive. They are larger. If you want to use a live trap, they've got something called a tin cat, a quick catch, a catch-all, a mouse master. Um, that's where the rodent comes in, but they can't crawl back out because of the design of the thing. <laughs> then you can dispose of the live mice inside however you see fit. If you don't know what to do with them, I would recommend that you drive them at least two miles from your house before releasing them 
and not on your on your same piece of property. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you can use live traps where it's just not safe to use baits if you have pets or children. Um, some models can catch up to a dozen a night, and you want them again wow. next to walls and doorways, openings. Um, bait shy rodents, trap shy rodents, persistent rodents. This might be the way you have to go is with the live traps. But keep in mind, then you have to deal with a trap full of live animals. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sure what to do with that, you might want to revert back to snap traps or or baits. Yep. And I know you have to leave about three, so I'm going to go ahead and take a real quick break here. Uh, folks, we're talking with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. We're talking about rodent control around the coop. Great information and more information to come. Stay with us. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, But picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, 
non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit ChickenFountain.com. That's ChickenFountain.com. How would you like a punch in the beak? Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken List. For our guest today, again, is poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae. She joins us the first and third Thursdays of every month, but special Wednesday episode um, today. So uh, we're so glad to have her, and we're talking about rodent control. And I know you've got to head out about three, so we'll go ahead and wrap up any pertinent things you'd like to share with our audience today. Sure. The last thing we're going to talk about are baits. There's a couple of different categories of baits. There's anticoagulants and non-anticoagulants. Lots of brand names and trade names out there. For the non-anticoagulants, it's, well, anywhere from single dose to up to three feedings to kill the the animals. Um, Brand names like Assault, Trounce, Rampage, um, those are all uh, basically trade names of non-anticoagulant and you can get them in pellets, bait blocks, um, sometimes mixed grains with the uh, lacing in there of the, the bait. So if you're going to have any of these out, you might want to have a rodent feeding station uh, and like a plastic container that you can buy to put these in so that your chickens can't wander over and participate in this um, rodent elimination festival that you're doing. Yeah. Now for the anticoagulants. Um, there's lots of trade names. Um, they kind of fall into two broad categories, single dose and multiple dose. Uh, single dose like um, bromodialone and um, difacinone. But they come in pellets, they come in bait packs, they come in blocks. Companies like, um, well, trade names like Jaguar, Decon, Havoc, Contract, Boot Hill Hawk, Maki, Just One Bite, Raymond Green, um, Ferret. These are all names of anticoagulants, and um, you know they—they're easy to use, easily to find, maybe at your feed store or at a, like say a, a warehouse store, perhaps like uh, Lowe's or something like that. So consider these, uh, but you have to keep in mind. Uh, you need to be consistent. You need to make sure that your bait stations are filled uh, and that it doesn't run out in case you you know, you know, end up with resistance to some of these. 
And that, that heavy-duty molded plastic um, container is easy to find. It, it's tamper-proof so that your, your children can't get in there and just the rodents can run in, at, run in and out eating the baits. Um, you might even want to rotate your baits from time to time so that you you move from maybe a non-anticoagulant to an anticoagulant and, and back. Uh, but think about these things. If you have free-range poultry, um, you might want to use one of those bait stations. And hopefully we've given you some ammo for decision-making, Andy. And if you find that you have a problem, get to work on it. Make it a short and decisive battle and make sure you're on the winning end. So there you go, Andy. Thank you for letting no, me talk no. about rodent control today. <laughs> Thank you for uh, sharing all that great information with us and covering all the details and letting us know that uh, it's something that as soon as we see an issue, whether it be, oh, I saw a mouse run away or I, I see the the, the, the uh waste pellets or I, I smell kind of a urine uh, around there or, you know, oh, I saw that where something chewed through the uh, Rubbermaid bin I've been using to store my feet in, that at that point, like you said, the game is on <laughs> yeah. at that point. The game is on at that point and you need to nip that in the bud as absolutely soon as you can uh, can get it done. So, no, thank you very much for uh, sharing it with us today and changing days and sh- switching gears here. But uh, we look forward to having you back uh, on your uh, regular time on the first and uh, third Thursday. So no, no worries. And enjoy the Delmarva Poultry Festival this weekend. I wish I could be there. Eat some of that chicken from that 10-foot frying pan from me. I promise. <laughs> yeah, promise. Okay, good deal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you back in, uh, in a couple of weeks. You take care. Bye-bye. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Thank you very much for listening and tuning in today, and um, we hope you'll do so on a regular basis, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Thursday here on Blog Talk Radio. And, um, uh, well, there was one more thing I was going to talk about. Oh, if you join the show today halfway through live and you miss some things, no worries. Every single one of our shows, all 940 of them are archived for your listening pleasure. You can find them for free at iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com, and really, the easiest way, right here on BlogTalkRadio.com. Just, uh, hey, come on, search the Chicken Whisperer and go down and you can look at all of our episodes we've done for the last six years. And most of them are labeled, so you can see if it's a topic that might be interested uh, for your backyard. So we thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you again. God bless everybody. I think, uh...